Welcome to the Soul Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, build a community of adventure junkies, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting and the outdoors, my mission is to help you live a bucket list life and move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Meet us here weekly as I connect with like-minded men and women to discuss health and mindset, accountability, life and entrepreneurship, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. This podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, high quality supplements for rugged individuals. Wilderness Athlete has been making the best supplements that will give you an edge in the wilderness, the gym, and life for the last 17 years. Head to wildernessathlete.com to see their products and use the code no excuses to save money and support you on your way to your best health. Also brought to you by Baku e-bikes. Baku is building top quality e-bikes, helping you get farther and enjoy the hunt. Find more at baku.com. That's B-A-K-C-O-U.com. You can use the code HerOutdoorJourney to save a few hundred dollars on your new electric bike. What's going on, everybody? I am excited to pop in here today. I am just coming off of Ladies Archery Camp 2.0, and it was pretty freaking sweet. I will say it rained about three inches over the weekend, and the girls were absolute troopers, but we had a ton of fun learning about shooting consistency and the shot process. We also got to go out to a 3D shoot here uh, in my hometown, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun on the course, so you will definitely be seeing stuff from that. We have three more camps coming up for this year. We have Backcountry Experience July 22nd through 24th, and again, August 5th through 7th, and August 12th through 14th. So stay tuned for lots of cool things coming up. Lots of ladies out here adventuring with us in the Pacific Northwest. It's been so much fun. But today's guest, Mel Epic, let's talk about her. She is out of Utah, and she's doing some pretty cool things with her family. And uh, in this episode, she talks about her story, just kind of gives us a little back history and who she is. And then really, honestly, she dives into how archery has changed and saved their marriage. It's a pretty cool story. This is a heartfelt conversation, and I think that you'll really enjoy it. We also talk about how archery is really therapy for the soul. And I talk a little bit about my story and how just the practice of getting behind your bow, taking time to shoot can really be uh, a, a reset button. So dive into that with us. We also talked about how uh, she learned to shoot and kind of what happened during that initial process that kind of put a bad taste in her mouth. And she gives some tips for going into an archery shop, feeling confident and comfortable, and maybe some questions that you can ask if you are brand new and want to talk about archery. Jump into this. I think that you're really going to enjoy it. Hopefully you do. And if so, please give it a share on social media, share it with a friend or your family, and uh, let's keep this community of encouragement and archery outdoors going. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Soul Summit podcast. Today, I am joined by Mel Epic. Uh, and if that is not the coolest name ever, um, I don't know what it is, but welcome to the show, Mel. <laughs> Thank you. I definitely inherited better than what I started with. So <laughs> epic is far more epic than what my <laughs> maiden name was. So, Well, I'm excited to have you on today. You are somebody who I have followed for quite some time on social media. Um, and 
really a person that I look to because you're doing big things for people. And you seem like somebody who is just out to serve and enrich other people's lives. So before we dive into all that is, as far as the archery realm is concerned, give us an overview of who you are, Mel. Um, all right. Well, I am just like a country homegrown Idaho girl. Um, I was raised in Thornton, Idaho, um, literally in a potato field. Uh, my dad owned a garage door business, so I grew up putting together garage doors. Um, we worked really hard so that we could play really hard. We spent a lot of time outside. My family's thing was really kind of like boating. We spent a lot of time on the reservoir. My dad was anti-fishing, like fishing, anything was not allowed on the boat because it was a water skiing, wakeboarding boat. So, but I grew up on that lake. I loved it. Um, We worked, I worked for him all of my growing up time. We spent a lot of time outdoors. We camped, we hiked. I mean, we lived 45 minutes from West Yellowstone. We were pretty much kind of in the Mecca of surrounded by all these amazing things. Um, I didn't grow up as an archer. I didn't grow up hunting. Um, I was kind of, I've always kind of looked at myself as like a jack of all trades, but a master of none. So in high school, I kind of dabbled in pretty much everything. I was the president of the ski club and I was on the debate club and I played tennis and I did all of these things, but I wasn't necessarily amazing at them. Um, I've also kind of always been a tomboy, but I also kind of had that girly side. And so it was kind of hard for me to find a place really. Um, all of my friends were guys and I graduated high school and was like, I'm getting out of here because I was done with the small town. I've always been really, really independent. And so I, got a scholarship up to Utah State, which is in Cache Valley, Utah. I had never been there. Um, And if you've never been to Cache Valley, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Uh, It's just nestled in between these mountain ranges and you're kind of surrounded. And I got up there and I fell in love with the outdoors. Like I could literally run from my apartment into the mountains and I just spent four years studying, doing school, and living in God's country. And so that's kind of where my love came. Um, I studied exercise science, so my bachelor's degree is in exercise science. And then I have a minor in parks and recreation with a emphasis in recreational therapy. So I did the four-year college thing. I, I really have no regrets with anything in my life. Like I really just did the things that I wanted to do. Um, got my degree, moved to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, um, and worked on a ranch, helped manage a ranch up there for a little while. And then through like crazy course of events, I met my husband. Um, our courtship story is definitely one for the books. (laughs) I guess epic would be a good word. (laughs) I love it. Um, (laughs) And then just through a turn of events, we ended up married and uh, my first real jobs out of school, I worked as a recreational therapist at a psych hospital, um, which was one of my all time, like, if I could have handpicked occupations for my life, these are the things that would have been 
my thing. So I was doing that and I was personal training at a gym and we were working really hard. And, um, at that time we had moved back to Idaho and Idaho is phenomenal, but Southeast Idaho is not necessarily pleasant. So we, I really felt like the mountains of Utah were calling me back. And, um, I ended up getting a job opportunity after about three years uh, to come work at an eating disorder treatment center. And so I went up and did all of their, I was their clinical exercise specialist for about three years until I started having my kids. And then, um, we've been in Cache Valley ever since I worked up till the day that I had my oldest who will be 10 next week. Um, and then I kind of dabbled in a bunch of different things, but all kind of along that path, I never really found myself. Like I've always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit. I started my own vinyl home decor business. I have a background in graphic arts, so I tried doing stuff like that. Um, but just nothing really caught. And so that's kind of where we entered like the archery realm of our existence, I guess. <laughs> what got a bow in your hand for the first time? Okay, so the bow story. Um, neither my husband or I had grown up in archery. My husband grew up hunting. I grew up around guns, but I had some bad experiences when I was a kid. And so I had kind of a aversion to firearms. Um, but my husband grew up on 500 acres in Washington state actually. And so he hunted a lot growing up, but once we got married, we hadn't really done any of that. Um, we had probably been married four years when he's like, Hey, I think archery would be cool. And my husband's one of those people that just like kind of tries something for a while and then switches to something else. And so I was like, okay, this is like the next thing. Um, I'm also very much the saver, um, financial person in our relationship. And he was the, very the frugal the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was the frugal one. Thank you. I couldn't come up with that word. Um, and so he wanted a bow and I go into a shop cause I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to give him this really great gift. And my husband is also like the amazing gift giver. And I suck. Like I'm not a good gift giver cause I'm so rational and so calculated. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to give him a really great gift. And I go in and I look at prices on bows and I was like, this is an expensive, <laughs> this is an expensive endeavor. Um, and we were trying to build a house at the time. Um, and so money was a little tight. So I had saved up my birthday money for like a couple of years. And so I went into my stash and I bought him a bow and he was so excited. The look on his face, like it was one of those amazing moments. And I'm like, yes, I finally made it as a wife. I finally gave my husband this great gift. And he promptly put it up on the shelf in the closet and didn't touch it for like a year. And so that kind of started a sourness in my mouth, in a sour, put a sour taste in my mouth for archery. I was like, this is dumb. I'd saved up my money. I had things that I wanted to do with that, but I'd given him this gift and he didn't even touch it. So after about a year, he, we're back in our, we're in a house finally with a little more space and he starts pulling it out and messing around. And he's like, this is really cool. I want you to try it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I'm not really interested. And he's like, just come into the shop and just shoot one. So I'm like, okay. So he drags me into this shop. 
Um, I had no concept. Like I had never even shot a recurve bow before in my life. So I had no idea where, how to stand. Like I had nothing about the biomechanics of how that worked. And these, I'm sure well-intentioned men handed me this bow and walked me into the range and said, okay, here you go, shoot. And I was like, I don't even know, like, I didn't know what to do with the arrow. I didn't, so they, you know, like. Did they know that you were brand new? Yeah. Okay. But, but they're just, you know, they were just guys. And so they're, my husband and these guys are kind of standing back chatting and I'm standing in this lane with this bow. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with this. So I get it drawn and they're like, you need to touch the string to your nose. And I was like, you want me to what? Like, you want me to put my face on this thing that's going to rocket launch this arrow? And I just, I deal with anxiety anyway. (laughs) And it kind of pushed me over my anxiety edge. I shot one arrow. I was like, hey, that's nice. Here's your bow. I don't want to have anything to do with this. And so a whole nother year went by. Um, My husband kind of progressively got more involved. And... My birthday rolled around and he bought me a bow. And so <laughs> <Payback>. being the <laughs> right. <laughs> so being the frugal uh person that I am, having something that had cost that amount of money go to waste was not something that I was willing to let happen. So I'm like, I guess since I have this thing, I've got to figure out how to use it. So that's when I really started getting involved. Um, I started shooting in the backyard. I started watching a lot of YouTube videos and trying to learn everything I could and really started to enjoy it. Um, and then my husband and I decided we booked a weekend in Big Sky to go to Total Archery Challenge. Mm-hmm. And that's what like was the really pivotal thing for us. Um, the other kind of side of the story is At this point, my husband and I had been married for six, six, seven years. Um, And we were really great best friends. We were really great roommates. We got along, uh, but we had absolutely nothing in common. We didn't like the same movies. We didn't like doing the same things. I've always been like the fitness runner, biker, hiker, and he's like motors, guns, things that go fast or make loud noises, you know? Um, and so we were kind of at this stagnant place where we just didn't have anything. Like we had our kids. And so we booked this weekend to big sky. We go into tack and it changed our marriage. It Mm. changed our relationship. Um, it was like this beautiful middle ground of he got to shoot something and, I got to hike and we got to do it together. And anyway, so that's a lot of information, but that's kind of where we all started. So I love that so much. And the connection that you guys found through something that seemed almost like a, you know, just a Hail Mary at the time, you know, you went and you spent your money to buy him this bow, not really understanding the capabilities of what the practice of archery and shooting can do for you personally, but also for, for you guys in your relationship. And, you know, I definitely feel like archery shooting a bow, it, it, there's something so therapeutic about it. You, and I think part of that is, is 
there's a process to it and you're shooting something that is essentially going to explode with this kinetic energy that's going to move something that could kill something, right? Um, so you have to think about what you're doing and you have to be in that process and be aware of how you're doing it and where, you know, all of those things. So I think it connects, it connects your mind in a way that doesn't typically allow a ton of other things to fil- to filter in. Um, I'd love to know kind of how, what your philosophy or what your take is on that part of the process and that therapy with archery. One of the big things for me that was also kind of one of the things that held me back a little initially was this thought process that in my mind, I thought if I am going to be an archer, I have to be a hunter or I Mm. have to be a target archer. Um, I'm not a competitive personality. Like I am very much an empath. And so competition for me, like I'm always just like, I can't, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to cause anyone any sort of mental anguish. So like in a competition, I'm always like, you can just take it. Cause I would rather be the one that like loses than have to figure out how to approach somebody when I beat them. Um, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, and then there's also this part of me that wasn't sure that I wanted to hunt. And I also had seen where I grew up a lot of times people, women particularly in relationships whose husbands were hunters ended up hunting widows more or less. And I didn't want to end up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of psychological stuff that went into even my approach to archery. And then I started doing it. Um, I've also always kind of been a cardio junkie. Like I've run almost every day for the last 30 years because that's my clarity. Like that's my sanity. It's where I can work out all of my stuff. Right. Um, and then I started into archery and to be honest, I had kind of gotten to a place with running where it didn't always fix everything anymore. Um, I'm sure it's kind of that phase of where, you just get more tolerant mm-hmm. of it, you know? And I started into archery and figured out really quickly that there weren't very many problems that a session at the range couldn't fix. And I think you're exactly right. Um, it takes a focus. It takes a dedication. It takes you working through a process. And then you're also able to like, there's an energy, right? There's this energy in your bow. This, there's this energy in you. It takes a physical com- commitment. Um, it takes a physical, um, I don't know. I'm having a hard time with words, but you have to actually put in the effort to get your arrow where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. But there's also this release, right? Like we talk about the release in archery when you physically let go of the arrow, but there are so many correlating places that we can apply that in our lives. Like there's a release of energy through the bow. There's a release of energy through you. And emotionally you can work through so many things. Um, I feel like sometimes I get emotional about archery and I'm sure that there are a million people that like roll their eyes Uh, but I've seen the power of how it has legitimately changed my life and then also changed the lives of people that I've worked with. And there's just so many components. Um, the mental health piece for me has been really 
beautiful and therapeutic and life altering. And I've seen that in other people I've worked with too. And that all correlates to the recreational therapy side of things. And so I don't know, there's a million things. Yeah, no, there, there is. And, and I love how you explain that too, just like it through the release, obviously, you know, the arrow portion of that releasing, releasing the arrow, but two, you do, you build up so much energy within your body while you're shooting um, physically and mentally, I feel like that once you put those pieces together, because for most people, it's not an easy streamlined process to learn to shoot, you know, because there might be apprehension to, you know, the actual bow, you know, going off, there could be apprehension from even just, a understanding the the mechanics of how it works. Um, it's also physically demanding to shoot most times for most people. So, Unpack a little bit more, if you will, that connection for you and how that started and what that process looked like um, as far as actually learning to shoot, learning to shoot correctly, and uh, just what that journey looked like. I joke with people, but I'm really serious. Like when I'm running clinics and helping get people started, I'm like, you're learning a new language, but you're learning a physical language and a verbal language when you when you start archery. Like there's this whole new vocabulary of things, all the parts of the bow, all of the, um, all the verbiage as to what your form and your shot process should look like and all of these things. But then there's also, you're teaching your body to do something that it's never done before. Um, and you're using muscle groups that you don't ever use. Like, it's a completely different, you're putting your body in and your mind into something that is totally foreign mm -hmm. for most people. Um, I've had weight lifters and professional bodybuilders come in and they're like, oh yeah, crank that bow up. And it's a muscle group that you don't typically train and they find themselves like, oh, maybe this is a little harder than I thought it was going to be. And then there's this mental side that is 90% of your shot process too. And our brains get in the way and there's so many components. Um, and one of the reasons that I am sitting here and I'm in the position that I'm in is my husband and I had been doing this, you know, we'd been shooting together. We had been going to shoots and had been getting involved in the archery community and it was evolving and changing our lives and our kids were getting really involved. Um, and after a few years, I decided like I wanted to upgrade my bow. My husband had gotten a new shiny bow. I wanted a new bow. I was at a place where I felt like I was ready for that. Um, and I went into a shop again. And well, I, I started the process. I'm one that researches a lot. I had looked up all of the different specs of these different bows. I knew a bunch of bows that I really wanted to shoot. And so I started looking for places that I could go that had these bows. And I wasn't super strong. I'm a fairly small person. Um, I exercise a lot. I spend a lot of time at the gym. But strength-wise, I'm, you know, genetically not predisposed <laughs> to being really strong. Um and so I wasn't at a, it, I probably wasn't at a draw weight that I should have been looking for bows, but I wanted to like, and I had been shooting long enough that I guess I shouldn't say I shouldn't because that's the attitude that kind of the industry puts, puts out there. 
So I was right around 35-ish, 35, 40 pounds. But I wanted a new bow. And I felt like I was to the point where, and I should have felt that. Like I had every right to feel that way. Um, and I started going to these shops and no one had a bow in limb poundages that I could shoot. And after about four different shops and trips to Salt Lake, which is like an hour and a half from where we live, and mm -hmm. only being able to shoot <clears throat> maybe one or two bows, I was devastated and I was really discouraged. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how am I ever going to buy a bow if I can't shoot something, if nobody will carry something that I can shoot? And I got really discouraged. And then I went to a sh another shop and the owner was like, I don't have anything in that poundage, but I'm going to have you shoot this bow. Um, that was way, way too much bow for me. And he's like, I'm going to help you, which is like the biggest no-no ever. Um, but at the time I didn't know. And I also had this pride issue that I'm like, I want to shoot a bow really bad. I'm not going to be wimpy and push back. And so he took me into the range and he had me shoot this bow while he pushed on the front of the bow and physically pushed on my shoulder. And he had me do that probably 20 times. And my shoulders were starting to ache and I was, it wasn't comfortable. You can't feel a draw cycle that way. Um, and I walked out of his shop and I had injured both of my shoulders. And in the next couple of days, it came about that I was so injured that I couldn't even crank my bow down enough to shoot my own mm. old bow. And I spent several days in tears and I told my husband, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, why am I doing this? Archery is dumb. Like, I, there's not a place for me here. I got really down on the whole situation. Um, and he kind of just looked at me and he's like, this has changed us. This has changed you and you can't quit. And so in that moment, I was like, well, if I can't quit, then I want to make a difference for other people. Like if I can help one woman not have the experience that I'm having right now, getting into this industry or continuing in this industry, then it will be worth it to me. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I really dove in. Um, I started watching everything I could watch about form and about draw lengths and draw weights and all of the aspects of archery that I could figure out. I started going in. It took me three, three or four weeks before I could even start shooting my bow again. I had to start back at 25 pounds. It took me about seven months to work myself back up to about 35 pounds. Um, and in that time, I just dedicated myself to learning everything that I could learn so that I wouldn't walk into that situation unprepared again. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I, I ordered, I found a bow I wanted, I ordered a bow. And then I started doing reviews and doing, um, we started our YouTube channel and our Instagram. And um, I started reaching out to different women and trying to learn from them. Um, and just really kind of dove into this world of how can I help people find this industry and find their place because of what I had done for myself and my family. And honestly, that person 
three, two to three years ago <laughs> that started all of that was really, really naive as to what this would bring into my life. Um, I found a community. I found people who would give anything and everything outside of the archery industry. I mean, people within the industry, but that would give anything and everything to help you. I found God um, in a different way than I had prior to that. I've always been a very religious person. Um, but it was also in this 2020 craziness too, where I was really losing hope in kind of humanity mm -hmm. and the archery community stepped up and became this thing that gave me hope at a time when there was a lot out there to take that hope away, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that answers your question, <laughs> Such but that's kind of where we ended up. Such a cool evolution of that story from kind of uh, what may have be, you know, begun as not a good experience for you. And it sounds like you had enough trials that could potentially be roadblocks and just saying like, screw it, I'm just not doing it anymore. I'm done with this. Or, you know, you can take some of those experiences with you know, somebody not approaching or not helping you in the right way and just say, this isn't for me. This is just how this industry or how this sport is. And you didn't do that. You took those negative experiences and you said, how can I change this for other people? Which thank God the world has people like you in it to, you know, help facilitate and improve that learning curve for people. I'm interested to hear if you might have some sort of a list, if you will, on um, ways that somebody who may may have shot before or may have never shot but wants to, what are some maybe do's and don'ts as far as walking into a shop, how to approach it, what questions to ask? Um, and then my the second part to that would be, not everybody does things the same way. So if you do get into a situation where somebody's trying to get you to do something that doesn't feel comfortable, where is that line for you? It sounds like you would go back potentially and correct me if I'm wrong and, and not allow that person to force you basically to shoot that bow. But where can somebody, uh, what, what can those expectations be? And what would you recommend for somebody brand new walking into a shop? Um, that's, Fabulous question. One of the things that I started doing right off the bat was um, going to shops with women. And that's something that I do to this day. I don't charge for it. It's just if there is a woman that comes to me that's found me through whatever avenue, I don't know how many times I've just, I've driven to Salt Lake, I've driven to Provo and Orem, I've driven to Idaho just to go be kind of the point person for someone. And I think my biggest advice is take someone that you feel like is going to stand up for you. And that also, it doesn't always have to be a woman, but if you are a woman, I highly suggest finding a friend that is female that is willing to go with you. Um, my husband is the most fabulous human on the planet. I love him wholeheartedly. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like he did anything wrong when I had my experiences, but men have kind of a different approach and a different, their brains just work differently than ours. Their bodies work differently than ours. Um, and 
it's harder for them to understand maybe what approach works best for us and what is going to help us to understand the process and feel comfortable in that process. And so if you have a female friend or you know of a place that has a female that maybe works in the shop, I, or find someone that you can sit down with. Like I can take that responsibility too and say, sit down with my husband beforehand and say, I need you to be my person in here. Like, and my husband knows that I'm very independent. So a lot of times he lets me just do, you know, like he's not going to step in in those circumstances. But this was a circumstance where I needed that from him. Um, mm -hmm. But he had no idea. So go in prepared. Um, if you're anywhere near me, I'm always happy to help you in whatever way I can to whatever degree. Like I... I'm always happy to answer questions beforehand. I think knowledge is power, really. Like, I wish that I had had the knowledge that I gained in the aftermath of that process prior to starting that process. And I thought that I did. Like, I knew draw lengths, I knew draw weights, I knew specs of bows. I thought I knew what I wanted, um, but I didn't have the understanding of what my body potentially needed in a new bow and what was safe for me to try and draw. Um, men typically, just because it's that industry, think the higher the draw weight, the better. And, oh, you'll work into it. And they don't realize maybe the concept of what overbowing or putting someone in a bow that's too heavy for them does and the damage isn't always immediate but it can be a long-term issue so find someone who can either help you prior to going or take someone with you um, call wherever you're going to go ahead of time and ask if they have what you what they have that you can shoot so that you're not just going in there with this expectation that you're going to be able to shoot something and then you get in a situation where they're trying mm -hmm. to put you in something that's not going to work for you or you're really disappointed because they don't have something that is a fit for you. Mm -hmm. um, I also really recommend asking questions beforehand, finding someone. I'm like I said, I'm always happy to be your sounding board. Message me on Instagram text me whatever it is, I will answer questions until I'm blue in the face because I really want people to have a good experience. And it should be a good experience. Even if archery doesn't end up being something that you love, your first experience with a bow should be a good experience, even if it turns out to not be something you're interested in. So um, those are probably my biggest recommendations. And then don't let people push you around. Mm -hmm. You will find some shops that are absolutely phenomenal. And there are shops that do all the right things, especially with women. But there are a handful of those that don't. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's not even their fault. They just don't deal with a lot of women. And it's getting more common. And we're, a, we're one of the most we're one of the largest growing demographics yep. in the outdoor industry now, but it's taking a little bit of time for everyone to catch up to that. And so you have to be patient, but you also have to, if you can't stand up for yourself, take someone who will stand up for you and have that set beforehand. I think it can be almost like 
buying a car, you know, to some degree yeah. and not, not all shops are the same for sure. But if you're walking into a bow shop, there's a really good chance that bow shop wants you to walk out the door with a bow and not all bows are created equal. Everybody has a preference, you know, depending on if you're shooting just targets or if you're planning to bow hunt or, you know, what you're going to grow into or whatever. There's so many different things on what you can prefer. And I love that recommendation of calling ahead of time because I think it is misconceived sometimes that because somebody sells bows that they'll have a bow for you to shoot and buy. And especially as we're in 2022 now with distribution and getting parts and pieces and building bows, that's not always the case. It can also be a little tricky too for lower poundages and also for maybe a left-handed shooter. You know, they're not always going to have the bows uh, for you to try. So calling ahead is a really great piece of advice just to make sure that you can facilitate going to that facility and being able to follow through with what the objective was shooting a bow. Um, I also love that you advocate for having somebody kind of be your sounding board and somebody that can help ask the questions you might not know to ask. Um, and I think that sometimes those things are, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So it's right. easy yeah. to be misled or to have somebody sell you maybe what they have in stock or what, you know, whatever. There are lots of really great shops too. But I do find, and you've probably heard this a lot as well, women are very intimidated to walk into an archery shop. Maybe men are too. I don't hear that as commonly because the space is a little bit more um, open, friendly, uh, appropriate, air quotes, appropriate for them just because what this, this sport and industry is. And it's incredibly intimidating for somebody to walk in and, and do that by themselves. So the fact that you're willing and able to at least answer those questions, if not try to help them walk through that process, that that's fantastic. What else are you doing in the way of education and resource? Um, I know that you're doing some classes. Can you talk a little bit more about what that's like and uh, what you're doing with that? Yeah. Um, so I joke that well, I don't joke, but, and Courtney and I have talked a little bit about perfectionism and we may get into that a little bit more, but yeah. I've always very much been a perfectionist and because of my perfectionist tendencies, I'm also a procrastinator because I can't start something unless I feel like it's going to end up perfectly. And so I get anxiety about it. And so I tend to be someone who has these really great ideas, but I'm not really good at starting things because I'm afraid that I'm going to fail at them. Mm. Um, You're speaking my language, Mel. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And I, like I said, I have a firm belief that God put archery into my life because there were so many things that I needed to learn from outside of shooting a bow. Um, One of those things was to trust him. And the other thing is that he will just, with archery, he has not given me the opportunity to be a procrastinator. Um, He has perpetually just been shoving me off of these cliffs and I'm constantly feeling like I'm free falling. Um, But my landing continually is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like things that I, I would have never probably had, the confidence to do 
just on my own volition, he's just shoved me out there and said, fighter, like you're, you're going to make it or you're not, but you have to do oh, it. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> I love it too. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so as I kind of, everything kind of evolved, Instagram really started kind of blossoming and growing and, and you have mentioned that I'm doing big things and I don't necessarily like all of this has been a benefit to me. Like I, I feel like I'm the one that's, that's gaining the most out of all of this process. Um, and I'm continually just being reinforced and strengthened and supported by all of these people and women and families that have been brought into my life through this process. So I don't know that it has anything to do with me. I really believe that God has led me to these places to teach me different things. And along the way, all of these people have ended up stuck with me. Um, but through the process, once I started doing the YouTube thing, I started realizing that there was not a lot out there for women in terms of female bow reviews, in terms of um, equipment reviews for women specific to archery. There wasn't a lot out there talking about specific recreational archery outside of um, competitive target or hunting. I found that there weren't a lot of female instructors. Um, and so I decided that I was going to go and get certified as an instructor so that I could have one more tool in my tool belt to help women as they came to me and asked me questions. And once I did that, God was like, well, you are going to use this. And so he, <laughs> through a series of events, I ended up starting women's clinics and I had wanted to do that. Like I had had all of these plans, but it was like, Oh, in six months. Oh, and in the summer, I'm going to start this. Um, and I, we also have phenomenal opportunities around here. Our local club is amazing, but they didn't have a women's league. And I really felt the thing that really snowballed everything was I felt like we needed a place for women to come and shoot um, without kind of that initial pressure. Um, when I started shooting indoor target archery for the first time, it was in a co-ed league. I was the only woman and I was still fairly new-ish. I'd been shooting, but not year round consistently for about four years. And I mean, these were men that were really proficient and I walked in there and I was really intimidated and I had so much anxiety and I hated it. Like I kept going back because I loved shooting my bow, but I hated it. I hated circles. I'm like, why do people do this? But I wanted to shoot through the winter and I knew that I needed to get better. And so I wanted to provide a place that women could do that. Feeling comfortable and confident and having that experience without maybe the pressure so that then they could migrate into those other realms mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and have more confidence. And so I, we have a fantastic range here and the range manager is incredible and has helped support me through all of these things. And he found me range time. Um, so I could start a ladies night archery league. And so I started this league just thinking, like, I hope a handful of people show up. Like, a few of my friends that I know in archery will come and we'll just have a night where we shoot. And so the first round, it was kind of that way. I had about six people that showed up 
consistently. The only way I had advertised it was I had posted it to my social media and kind of spread the word in my friends. Well, I have another fabulous friend that lives not too far from me that is the event coordinator for her club. And she does amazing things for women's archery. Like she just, she's inspirational and phenomenal. And I had noticed that she was posting her stuff to a local Facebook classifieds page. So I was like, okay, like maybe I should try that. So I posted my ladies night league to the classifieds and my phone blew up. Like for three days, I, every five minutes I was getting messages like, I want to try archery. Can I come do this? And most of these women were people who had never shot before. Um, and so my ladies night league is not really conducive to a lot of instruction. Like mm -hmm. yeah. I don't spend any time shooting cause I work with the women and help in areas that I can, but it's not a class. It's just a time to come shoot. So God was like, you have to, you've got to get these bows in these women's hands. So figure it out. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I sat down that day and I picked four four dates and I put them on my calendar and I called the range and I'm like, I'm going to run these clinics. And I posted flyers about these clinics and my clinics were full in 24 hours. And I was just like, I get goosebumps and I'm like, okay, now I've got to figure out how to run clinics. Yeah. You know, like I've got these full clinics. I've got to figure this out. Um, and kind of a back backtracking a little bit the miracles with the support and in this industry um, about probably the end of last season, Bear Archery approached us um, and they offered to send us six bows so that we could run clinics and get bows in people's hands, which was miraculous for us yeah. because my dream was to have a trailer full of bows and Bear sent us these six, and then they also provided us with um, a way for us to buy at better discounts so that we mm -hmm. can continue to acquire more equipment. Um, so I had, like, God's like, I gave you all of this equipment. I just gave you all of these women who are interested. Like, this is what you need to do. And so I filled those clinics and phenomenal experience we've opened up kids clinics um and those fill up super fast and it's just been incredible so the women that come to my clinics have started coming to my ladies night leagues and I ended up having to open a second ladies night because we just had I think my second ladies night after my first clinic I had 21 women show up wow and I just like just tears like I don't know how it happened like it mm -hmm. and I really feel like it has nothing to do with me I really believe that there's a purpose here and it sounds corny and silly but um these women that have been brought into my lives these families that are being changed through this sport in ways and brought together in something in a time when everything feels so uncertain and mm -hmm. Life is tumultuous, and we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know. It sounds silly, but it, for some reason, I'm sitting here, and I'm doing these things, and I'm just hoping that I'm not failing miserably at all of it. <laughs>
Well, like I said, originally, uh, I think we were not on air yet, but you are a servant leader and from, from the outside looking in, you are changing lives and you are creating space for, for women to have a voice and a starting place. And I think as we both know with backgrounds in exercise and psychology and all of those things, it's typically that initial experience or opportunity that is the make or break for people. And when you're talking about something as holistically healing as archery, as I believe archery is, and you share that as well, that is life-changing. And so many of the words and the phrases and the sentences that you just spoke have been things that I have literally said word for word in my experiences with offering these women's camps. And I'll say it now, I've said it a million times, do women have to learn from other women? No. But it is such a beautiful space when you can allow that experience to be fulfilling on both sides. And it's an open, energetic to some degree, but also a little bit more connected. Fulfilling. Yes. Yeah. Because I can have a man try to teach me something that another woman could teach me. And there's just so much more connection through that. I feel like maybe that's that common bond or camaraderie or just how, you know, we like to band together. But I think that what you're doing is beautiful and, and, and changing lives and creating that space is so important. And th- knowing that you're somebody who tends to lean towards a perfection mentality, yet you're willing to show up and do things without not necessarily knowing all of the means to get it done um, is a wonderful thing. You know, you are using that vulnerability to help elevate other people and empower other people to, to show up, you know, as an imperfect human being and, and succeed. That's pretty dang cool. Thank you. Well, and that was one of the things going into this. Uh, we talk about comfort zones, um, and there is nothing about the last two years of my life that has been a comfort zone. Like I live in a discomfort zone because of that perfectionist tendency Um, I think we live in a society that propagates that you have to have this perfect, whatever it is, presentation to the world. And my, when I started all of this, I committed to myself, like, I am going to be real, like Mm -hmm. whatever it takes, whatever the sacrifice. And that's hard for me because I grew up in a home, um, where, what everybody saw on the outside wasn't necessarily what was on the inside, but what they saw needed to be perfect. Um, and so breaking that for myself is probably one of the most vulnerable things that this experience has been for me. Um, you've probably seen some of my stuff on Instagram and I try really hard to post my biggest flops as well as my biggest successes because People need to know. Oh, sorry. Technical difficulties. (laughs) People need to know that nobody's perfect. Right. There's no 
beautiful paved path to success or happiness. The greatest success happens in the dirtiest, messiest, most chaotic portions of our lives. And I think that's where archery has helped myself and my family the most is we're not like we show up with our kids and sometimes it's a raging disaster. <laughs> like half of them are in tears. Bows aren't working. One of them sitting in the trail crying, but it's in those moments that we're all together and we're doing it and it's not perfect. And it's not the visual perception of what everyone wants you to think it is. Um, but that's life. Like what part of our life isn't beautifully chaotically messy and devastating all at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the other thing about archery is that there's a place for everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the things that drew me to it. Once I became involved was it doesn't matter if you have a disability, it doesn't matter if you have emotional struggles. It doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're two, it doesn't matter if you're 92, there's a place and a way for you to fit here. Um, and I watch that. I watch that in my clinics and sorry, I see these kids that come in that don't fit the mold. Like they don't fit in the box of what society would say they need to Mm be. Um, And I relate to that because I'm not the kid that fit in the box. And I see them pick up a bow and I see them find this confidence and realize that there is something for them. And it doesn't mean that they have to hit the target or the bullseye every time. Um, But that's the community here. Like, there's this community that it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or what your score is at the end of the day. Like if you want a cheering section, the archery community is your cheering section. Um, And that has been my biggest goal here is like, if you need a cheerleader, I'm your man. Like, (laughs) I wasn't good at it in high school. I'm not ever going to be that type of cheerleader, but man, I will have your back and this community will have your back too. Well, it's easy to feel your passion for the archery community and educating and empowering other people. And I appreciate that so much about you and, and thankful that we do live in a world where outside of all that is um, in, in not so good ways, there are still people who are driven and passionate like you are to help you know, we're talking about archery largely here, but it goes much beyond that to just say the common bond that people can have together, which is largely missed right now in this society is so epically important. I had to use that at some point, Mel, (laughs) but it's so important for us to have that and to, you know, like relate through imperfection, relate through the trials and the, the the tribulations and the storms that we walk through. Because when we show up online, which social media, digital world is, you know, largely running things these days, it is very easy to feel disconnected or unrelatable to people because, you know, yes, you hear it all the time. It's so cliche. And sometimes I get sick of people talking about how perfect social media is. And as somebody who, you know, hopefully people pick up on the fact that I do try to show up as an imperfect human being just as I am, because 
that is life. That is the messy, hard times. And by creating these spaces for people, whether it's through archery or Facebook communities or get togethers, whatever that is, you just have to remember that showing up as you are is the point. Because if you're trying to connect with somebody as somebody you're not, or waiting until you have things just right or proficient in an area to show up and connect, I think you're losing a lot of the growth and the opportunity to to come face to face with those pivotal changes in your life that can really change the course and pave the way for you to step into the most powerful part of who you are. I agree. And I, I feel like that is one of the things that I have admired the most about you is I feel mm-hmm. like you have an ability to communicate the good and the hard and the beautiful and lay it out there the way that it is. Um, And so from the moment that I stumbled across you through social media, um, I have just felt really inspired by your approach and your ability and your desire. Like you can feel your heart. um, And it's hard to not be afraid to share some of those things because there are so many people out there who are just bent to cut you down or Mm -hmm. Those are vulnerable things for us as people who are perfectionists. Like it's hard to put the hard stuff out mm-hmm. there. Um, it's hard to not paint the beautiful picture. It's hard to not want everyone to think that you are everything and all the things and that everything is put together. And, and this world provides an outlet for you to sort of be something that you're not, if that's the choice that you make. Um, but I also think that as humans, we're innately able to see through the bullcrap. Like, we see the fakeness. Um, and I think the genu- those people who are genuine are the people who change us and who inspire us and who help push us to be better. And I definitely, I feel like you are one of the people that I have looked up to through this journey because I see what you are doing. Like I see what you're doing for women in the outdoor industry and the empowerment and the support. And it may not go a hundred percent perfect all the time, Mm -hmm. but that's the reality. And that's our path to get to the most beautiful places we're headed. So I appreciate you. And I thank you so much for that. Thank you. I I appreciate your kind words of encouragement and I, I soak them up and hear what you're saying. And, uh, like you said, I feel like it's just a, a true blessing. And, um, and, and like you said, again, I don't feel like it's necessarily about me. I feel like this is my voice and a lot of things I feel led to talk about or bring up or, you know, mingle with other people is just because I'm led there. Um, so thank you for those words. I I do want to back up for just a second. Uh, you said, you know, I think a lot of people can see through the bull crap and, and, and filter that out. I agree to an extent. I also feel that subconsciously, Although we might look at something or or really cling to the adage, you know, social media is just a highlight reel. And, and a lot of people know that and accept it and see that. We are so subconsciously wrapped up and wired into comparison 
that I think although we we might know it's a filter, we might know it's not all of their lives that we're seeing, it is very easy for people to get interconnected with this comparison game of my versus your, your success versus my place in life. And dang, that's not a good place to be. And I, you know, I've found myself there before I'll find myself there again. And I think it's being very uh, real, open and honest with yourself to say, gosh, why am I in this funk? Or why am I feeling disconnected or, or unhappy with where I'm at or my process or my journey or how I shoot or how I hunt or what I, whatever the case may be, it goes on and on and on in all areas of our lives. And although I think, yes, a lot of times we can see through that, I think it takes a very conscious mind to own it and to really filter those things out. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think I'm a, I'm completely guilty of that too. Um, you know, it feels weird to be in a position. I never ever thought that I would be in a position where I would have people, ten thousand people, <laughs> that are watching things that I do. Um, and that was never necessarily my goal. Like I've never had a goal to have. X amount of followers or whatever. Um, my goal really was just to help as many people as mm-hmm, I could help. Mm-hmm. But there is that psychological game that comes into play no matter where you are in this social media world. And I will be the first to admit that in the last six months, we've moved from 5,000 to 10,000 followers on Instagram, um, which is amazing and humbling for me. I, I don't necessarily understand it. Um, but it also really got to me emotionally. Like you talk about, um, even in my shooting, I got really, really the mental component of, well, so-and-so on TikTok is saying that I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. Or, and you get the people who tear you apart and while you may know the truth and you may know that whatever people say doesn't matter, it does matter. Like it sinks into mm-hmm. your subconscious brain. And earlier on this year, I was, I was in a mess. Like psychologically, when it came to archery, I was in a bad place. Like I got to a point in early February where I could not draw my bow. Um, and I won't attribute all of that to social media or whatever, but, but I had lost a confidence in myself because I got so tied up in other things. And I think that it is very easy to be lost and convinced, um, and misled through all of Mm -hmm. the stuff that's out there. And you have to be really careful to remain true to yourself um, without allowing, I don't, not even without allowing, you have to be able to accept that maybe you need a break. Maybe you need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to do something to reevaluate what your priorities are because it, you can't always just be like, oh, well, that's garbage. You can't always filter that through your brain because we're all creatures that I think ultimately desire 
for people to care about us and and to make people happy and Mm -hmm. all of those things and you can get lost you can really easily get lost you definitely can and 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 I feel that you know everything that you said too and I'm reminded myself because my biggest mission with my social media now at this place that I'm in currently is to have impact and inspire other people to realize what they're capable of, despite the story and the narrative that they've been telling themselves. You know, I can't do that. That's out of my reach. I'm not confident enough. I'm not whatever, whatever the stories are. Um, But my social media presence has not always been led by trying to make positive impact. And I've talked about this in some of my uh, camps and and occasionally when people will ask me about social media and growing followings and marketing and that stuff. And it's really all up to the person and what they want to do and how they're wanting to serve and show up. But a lot of my social media early on was really stemmed from a place of ego. And I have admitted that and talked about that openly, but I grew up again, like you, tomboy kind of, um, different than a lot of my other peers and girlfriends and really didn't grow up caring too much about what I looked like, didn't have a ton of friends. Um, And once I finally found some of that attention via social media, it was definitely stemmed by my ego. And I think, and the point to me saying this is once I realized that social media and sharing my journey and my stories or hunting or other people's stories is so much more beyond likes or following. Um, It's about community and it's about connection and it's about empowerment. And sure, this might be all cliche and things that have been said or heard before, but I think if many of us can reevaluate how we're showing up and the purpose of the content and the words that we're speaking, I think we can really do a lot of good in this community. I feel that so deeply. I think you are 100% succeeding in those goals of what you mentioned. Um, But it is, it's hard to not let your ego get involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I do feel like for me, when I started, it really started as we had different goals. My husband and I had different goals as to why we were starting this other, I mean, we planned on wanting to help women, but ultimately we wanted to have a new business related to archery. And I knew that I needed to build a brand on social media in order for my business to be successful eventually. So that's where the social media really started for us. Um, and like you said, it's evolved to a place where, yes, our brand is recognizable, but that isn't what it's about. That's not necessarily what is even fueling the fire as far as my business and, um, what Epic Archery Unleashed does locally, but it's the community that it's brought into our lives. And for my children, I just, we live in a very kind of, um, culturally limiting area. Um, and 
there are things that social media has brought into my life and my family and the lives of my kids through the archery community that is invaluable um, that I probably would have never found somewhere else. Um, and for that, if that's all that this has done, like if all the Epic Archery Unleashed ever turns out to be is the community that we've built and the relationships that we have found here, um, then it's more beautiful than anything I could have hoped or yeah. imagined for it to become. I love that so much. Oh my gosh, we could continue this conversation for indefinitely. <laughs> um, but for the sake of time and your mom life and all the things, where can people find you online? I know people are going to want to reach out with questions and uh, really just deep dive into all that you know. So where can they find you? So obviously Instagram, we're Epic Archery Unleashed, but it's E-P-P-I-C-H. Epic is our last name. So Epic Archery Unleashed. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. We're on YouTube. We are new to TikTok, which is a whole other ballgame. Um, and let's see. You should be able, you can, those are the biggest platforms you can find us on, but you can reach out to me in any of those forms. We're the most responsive probably on Instagram just because that's where we get the most interaction. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on again. We could, we'll probably have to do a part two because there are so many more questions and getting into really like the psychology and mindset, uh, behind all of this, but thank you again for taking the time. And, uh, I'm feeling like we should have a conversation about a collaborative event here in the future. Cause I want to start running camps yep. too. I just have to get a house first. Yep. So I'm working on that, but I want to pick your brain because I see what you're doing and it's amazing. Well, so. we'll stay connected and, and really work together to find where we can make impact in, uh, in this beautiful group of, of men and women. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we will link to you oh, in the show notes you. as well. And, uh, yeah, I hope you have a beautiful day. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.